Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm a senior writer for Dynasty League Football. Yeah, and this is a DLF member of the DLF family of podcasts. Uh, yeah, that was terrible. Uh, how you doing? Uh, I don't know, guys. Maybe I'm running out of steam. Maybe I'm buried too far into my sheets. But I'm finding it hard to develop momentum for content. Like, I got a lot of research done. I've been working on projections a lot. Got another stream hopefully tomorrow to start talking about how to work the the projection model that we actually created on stream. Um, and yet when I go to boil it all down to some sort of dynasty relevant content, like the, the top five running backs to buy and stuff, I um, lose all enthusiasm. I just... And no, I need I need someone to bounce off of at some point. Um, and so I've actually sent out a whole bunch of requests and I've got people lined up to come on to this show and hopefully they'll kickstart me into 2021 take season um i already feel like i have a few but i just i can't i can't (laughs) so um instead while building a whole bunch of stuff i started re uh, re updating my adp and i just thought i'd talk through some observations on rookie adp and also sophomore adp really um this off season i've been writing a series of articles for DLF looking at um, what makes uh, or when do players break out at different positions. One of the things I've found is that ADP is a fairly good guide on whether to buy in or buy out. It's unfortunate because one of my favorite players actually have a negative score in terms of where they've moved in ADP from last year to now. And since I was tracking August to August, I still don't quite have the full story on rookies from last year, but there were some interesting observations that I feel like I've said, but I I, I want to make sure I say them. So uh, looking at uh, sophomore wide receivers from last year and what they're doing in May ADP, according to Dynasty League Football, there's some noticeable oddities. Um, Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, and T. Higgins have all moved up at least three, four rounds from August last year, and that's deserved. They're the most likely hit rate group, the players we want from this craft, uh, from this claft. Craft? Claft. Clavicle? Class. That's the one. And Chase Claypool's moved up a full seven rounds, which makes a lot of sense. I'm still buying out on it, although I did happen to note on a podcast recently, someone else's podcast, obviously, um, that if his production is a lie and his year one in the NFL is the truth, then he measures pretty closely to Calvin Johnson. Now, he doesn't measure like Calvin Johnson, but he's the closest physically to Calvin Johnson in a very long time. 
and that's still remarkably less athletic than Calvin Johnson because uh, what a monster he was. But um, it is interesting to see exactly how hard Chase Claypool may owe me. Uh, he is due a lot of touchdown regression after looking through projections. You don't have to do much to drag him outside the top 24. Well, you don't have to do anything to drag him outside the top 24 wide receivers. You just have to expect him not to catch a touchdown every third pass, and that's it. Um, and so I'm still leaning Juju for the upside in that offense, and I keep having that argument on Twitter, but I think I've said it more than enough times. If you adjust for context, Juju Smith-Schuster is easily the most skilled player on that roster at wide receiver and in fact one of the most skilled players in the NFL but everyone now thinks he's mediocre because no one wants to take into account the context that he was literally playing at the line of scrimmage last year which I guess could owe me but I I'm still in um, where was I? Uh, LaVisca Schnault's gone up by three rounds Michael Pittman's actually gone up by one round to my absolute disgust his rookie season wasn't so terrible. I'm looking at uh, Indianapolis Colts projections for this year. And no, I'm going back and forward about whether I want to elevate his target share the way that our target share regression really wants us to. Um, especially since T.Y. Horton is old, the tight ends are middling, especially now Andrew Luck is gone. It's an interesting kind of projection this year with Carson Wentz. Honestly, I'm starting to see less upside in that offense than I really want to. Um, which is a good thing. I, I shouldn't project things I want to see necessarily. Um, but Pittman's interesting. He's actually going in an ADP range around Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and I lean both of those players just because I wasn't high on Pittman as a rookie. I don't think he elevates an offense or creates offense by himself. I don't think he's that kind of player, whereas the other two have been. Will Fuller's got injury concerns. As we've talked about before, I don't think they're likely to repeat, and I think he's got one of the highest upsides in this league. Um, but Hopefully, I'll get someone on this podcast who wants to talk about Miami um, a lot. I actually have Tua as a top 10 QB in current so far. Um, my attempts at projections are not finished yet. Um, and that's without elevating Will Fuller particularly high. That's doing nothing through his target share volume regression. And actually projecting him to have basically an average as per team attempt. Um, and I think there's upside if Tua can be what we thought he could be when he was initially drafted. Um, and Will Fuller can play a full healthy season. Like you, Again, I don't have to adjust much or really at all to get him inside the top 15 at wide receiver and really elevate Tua into a top 5 QB um, for 2020. Not quite sure where I'm going to land on that offense right now, but those are my thoughts initially. And with... Uh, Michael Pittman falling into a range with Brandon Cooks with a proven history of being a very good uh, top 24 wide receiver. And he projects to be that again already um, for 2021. And Will Fuller, who I think has this potential upside if he could play a full season. And Tua isn't apparently bad now for having played in the NFL barely at all. Um, I, I, I lean those two players. But Pittman's interesting um, for that way. And he has gone up in value. Now, now that I've mentioned a few... Oh, and obviously... Uh, Donald Mooney has gone up 14 full rounds, and even uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, believe it or not, has gone up a round. Um, it's worth noting that 50% of wide receivers who elevate an ADP between year one and year two fail, as in they never break out and they're not the wide receivers who are actually seeking. And remember, we're really thinking about top 24 upside here, not the ultimate ceiling like CD Lamb and Justin Jefferson have. Maybe Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins, according to ADP. And... Um, 
I'm really leaning heavily into CD Lamb having a big year this year, uh, having done my initial run of projections, like I've been constantly mentioning as if it's some sort of feat. Anyway, um, I really like CD Lamb this year to break into the top 12. That's that's a take. There it is. Justin Jefferson, I actually think, could show some regression from last year. Not regression, that's a very specific word. I don't think he's going to elevate from what we saw last year, and that's so far from shade, it's not funny, but I have him lower than cd lamb right now for example um but they there you go there's a thought and um, one name that might be sticking out to you right now is that jerry judy has actually dropped one round in adp this is may adp compared to august last year so we haven't seen the full story i would really expect that to come up because he had a decent rookie season he's the most tyler boyd like um adp journey i've seen in that tyler boyd had a great rookie year Jerry Judy had an okay, pretty good, decent rookie year, and yet neither have really been respected by the market. Now, there's about four or five players who, based on my article of uh, you know what a good rookie season looks like, that have been disavowed, if you like, from the market. Um, and really only Tyler Boyd stands out significantly on that list, but there's only about five players, and if Jerry Judy is going at the same price or a slight discount... I think that's really interesting. I can't see a reason why Jerry Judy is underrated outside of anyone. Everyone maybe had Justin Jefferson expectations, which I never did. And so maybe that's benefiting me. But um, I think Jerry Judy had a good uh, rookie season. I do think Colin Sutton projects to be um, the target leader on that team. But I think Jerry Judy's been pretty good in the NFL so far. And I don't understand why we'd be less excited about him now unless you honestly thought he was better than cd lamb and justin jefferson in which case i know get good kid uh i know what to tell you that 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 would have been a silly take um lavisca chenault i just i was out um he has raised in adp by three rounds like i say but I, i'm still out i i don't trust that team and i don't trust the skill set of lavisca chenault i i don't think he's i think he's going to be in that 50 percent that bust after elevating an ADP, but that's me. Um, Jalen Rager, I'm buying anyway. He's dropped three rounds in ADP. He's in that 94% of rookies at wide receiver that drop in ADP by one round, never do anything significant in fantasy after that, and I don't care because um, it's Jalen Rager, and I really think he's good, and, my, and Philadelphia just sucks, uh, which is also a problem for him this year. I think Philadelphia's problem is they don't want to be led by tight ends, and they really should have been led by tight ends these last two years. Um, but anyway, they've been trying to force wide receiver, which kind of is positive for Jalen Rager. What's not positive is that they went and got another wide receiver to try and do it with in the shape of Devontae Smith, so we'll see. Um, you should probably be out in Jalen Rager. I'm not gonna. I just not Ghana. Um, who else stands out here? Donald Mooney uh, had no ADP, apparently. Uh, that's not looking up properly. He's currently being drafted 116th overall, um, which is in the 10th round. That's what it was. He didn't have an ADP in August last year because everyone else sucks. But me, obviously. Uh, anyway, um, one of the other disappointments on this list is Brian Edwards. Um, he's dropped by three rounds. Again, he's cheap enough. He's going in the 13th round. That's not really even a take I have to have. I don't mind taking a shot on Brian Edwards in the 13th round. Um, if, I, if I'm in a position to draft wide receiver, obviously. Uh, Lim Bowden's dropped nine rounds, but I don't think we even know what position he plays fully yet and we'll have to see uh, and that's kind of the end of the interesting wide receivers i'm sorry to be too damn monotone like I'm, I'm i'm full nerding right now but there it is um 
Let's see. Uh, running back. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has been drafted in the exact same round he was last year, which is round two. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers have all elevated by at least two rounds. Jonathan Taylor and Swift is now a first-round pick. I don't get why Swift has elevated um, as much as Jonathan Taylor into the first round, or really Cam Akers. You really have to project that both get a significant jump in opportunity in year two, which they should, but I don't get why we're so excited about a player that needs, you know, time. Running backs tend to break out early and often, and the earlier you do it, the more likely you are to be the guy. I, I don't entirely get it. But um, I was kind of low on Swift as a rookie, and I was kind of disappointed with Cam Akers. So maybe that's just it, since we do want running backs on the come-up and wide receivers um, once they're already established. I get it, I guess. But I know I'm having a hard time getting too excited about young running backs, which is a weird position to be in, since that's exactly the group we normally target. Um, Clyde edwards layers has actually fallen by two rounds, which is just... Seriously, get good, kids. Um, that's just silly. Uh, he's going in the third round, which is actually why it was such a hard overreaction to the Kansas City Chiefs last year that he's actually dropped in ADP. I think that's a false drop. I think third round Clyde Edwards-Lair is very fair. I still think he has top 12 upside um, just because of the Chiefs, even though he's a below-average running back prospect. Um, and, you know, we're kind of just getting him a value at this point. Antonio Gibson is elevated into the second round eight round jump for uh, Antonio Gibson since August last year. I'm just out on that. Uh, if I drafted him, I'm trading him. I think he's a top 24 running back at best, and I think we've seen that, and I think he's already jumped eight rounds into the second round of startup drafts. Uh, you, I'm out. Uh, I will... I would definitely sell at that price, but, you know, James Robinson is the next one on the list, and just don't talk to me, okay? It's painful. I would say Travis Etne has been underprojected. I think from the ranks and projections I've seen so far, while I try and fact-check myself, sanity-check myself against others, um, Travis Etne is a little underprojected right now, and I think it's because of this hangover of James Robinson. But look, if I can get over it, they, they should be able to get over it. I think Travis Etney has a really decent projection um, in year one. He's going to take that job. It sucks, but he's going to. Um, not not sucks because we don't like Etney or ETN, sorry, um, but because we we deeply love James Robinson, obviously. Um, I would say AJ Dillon's raised by one round. I'm not. I'm still no. Um, I'm actually more interested in Kalen Hill if I was going to get a value in that backfield. Um, even Aaron Jones is operating at a value going into uh, 2021. And um, yeah, I just take those guys. I, I keep dreaming, kids. I would say that Zach Moss also showed up in the running back article I wrote in that he's dropped by a round, but really he did what we should have probably expected his rookie season, given that Singletary was on the team, neither should be as far away in ADP as they actually are from each other, um, and it's probably most likely definitely going to be a split backfield with a quarterback that takes a large share of the rushing attempts anyway, so the, the, the ceiling is muted there, but I don't think we saw anything from Zach Moss to make me think that he's not a player that can live up to NFL standards, and when the opportunity is around, he can do stuff with it. So in the 10th round, I think Zach Moss is possibly... One of those uh, players I'd be targeting over the top 24 running backs, just because there's a little more upside there based on he's been good, it's been a split backfield, opportunity can open up, and he's young. Uh, I don't I don't get why we would like him less. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn's dropped by 11 rounds. Again, that's probably a overreaction 
compared to us dra- overdrafting him in his rookie season. But he's going the 18th round right now. I mean, sure, take a shot. And everyone else has uh, lost extreme value. And um, I do think, talking, speaking of running backs, while we're doing projections, Malcolm Brown um, has actually landed in an interesting spot right behind Mike Davis, if I remember right, in Atlanta. Uh, I'm actually going to have to fact my chest myself on that. I've been massaging my depth charts because there's a, been a lot of player movement, obviously, and Julio Jones might go somewhere now, apparently, um, which has got everyone all a titter. I bel- I'm kind of a I'll believe it when I see it um, player outside of that. No, it's not Atlanta. Where is Brown? Nope. Nope. There's a lot of Browns in the NFL. Ever notice? Ah, uh, yeah, Malcolm Brown. He's gone to Miami behind Gaskin. Sorry, that's where I was getting confused. Um, Malcolm Brown's pretty much had twenty percent uh, of, of you know the Los Angeles Rams rushing attempts um, over the last three years. In twenty twenty, it was twenty one percent. In twenty nineteen, it was twenty percent. Twenty eighteen, it was fourteen percent. That's actually a really healthy running back two share. And I know the Los Angeles Rams uh, backfield has been you know a sea of nightmares, but he easily projects given the histories of everyone on the depth chart to take back that up that role behind Miles Gaskin, who has a little less certainty in his opportunity overall. I still like Miles Gaskin as a top twenty four running back, but I'm typically not targeting them in drafts, best ball or otherwise. And go early or go late is kind of my running back policy, and so these these running back eights to twenty four, especially where we're drafting them so high compared to historical trends um, over the last few years, I just tend to fade. Although I do like Miles Gaskin. He's on many of my rosters. Uh, along with Mike Davis, having been told they had no value after last season, I'm pretty happy I held on to them. That they, it's the anti-James Robinson effect, if you like. Um, but Malcolm Brown being behind Miles Gaskin should easily co-op that 20%. That means he will possibly be startable weeks and there's opportunity there in an uncertain backfield and so he's someone and the Miami backfield and in general and um, is a situation I think we should dig into a little bit more especially if we're thinking zero RB or going zero RB in a draft or we're just looking for potential upside between uh, for a bench stash I think Malcolm Brown finally at least might have some access um, to rushing in that offense especially and we're back to thinking about whether Miami has a higher or lower upside. Um, right now, I have Gaskin just as a top 40 running back, so I'll have some useful weeks as a streamer, especially in a 17-game season. Um, but, yeah, he's someone that stood out to me, but I've gone off topic from ADP, so I'm going to skip right back to it. Um, tight end-wise, uh, it's the year. This is the year. We go by tight ends from last year, right? That's just what you do. Cole Komet, Adam Troutman, and uh, Albert O. Not even trying it, Zach. Don't at me. And Cole Komet's the only one who's raised in ADP. He's gone up six rounds. Neither of these three project to have a huge role this year, but they could easily increase it and still be on path to being on pace to being a fairly relevant um, NFL tight end. And Commit being the one that's jumped up so high, I don't know. I think there must be a Twitter war out there I'm unaware of. Adam Troutman and Albert O both had surprisingly high usage shares for rookie tight ends, let alone rookie tight ends and behind other NFL first-round picks that had decent years like Albert O did in Denver. Adam Troutman was 
fine. We liked him well enough. He's actually being drafted in the exact same round in round 15. And I think, yeah, this is the year we'll go get him. Not because he's changed in value much, but because the ease with which we can acquire tight ends does change, even though the value remains relatively stable into year two. So I kind of like that. Um, I guess we'll do tight ends, quarterbacks rather. Man, I'm getting my words mixed up a lot. It's almost like I do that every time. Um, Joe Burrow actually projects in the top 12 for me as well right now. Um, Not that distant from Justin Herbert, who I also think has um, some touchdown regression coming. Um, Even though, once again, I have not finished projections. Uh, Jalen Hurts has raised 15 rounds, which is very fair since he's now a starting QB for, for... a terrible team it's a terrible team until until i see otherwise um but i think that's fair especially with his rushing upside even though we've only seen him in a limited sample um he's easily out be- beating his adp um in projections right now for superflex at least uh i haven't gone out on quite a lot of him or anything i just uh, I-, I can respect why he's jumped 15 rounds um into round eight uh these are high QB prices, actually, for single QB ADP, but still. Um, Joe Burrow is going in round 7. Tua has is being drafted in the exact same round in round 11, which is just another reason why I like him from the rookie class from last year, um, especially considering I do think there's upside in that offense based on where the market is and what their values are in drafts and in trades and so on and so forth. Uh, Jordan Love fell two rounds, but, you know, no no one noticed because probably no one should have. Um, currently, the highest drafted rookie from the rookie class last year is Jonathan Taylor. He's jumped up one round. He's now above Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's fair. I think he's running dynasty running back one for a lot of people right now, but it depends what you're ranking for, right? Um, I think Saquon Barkley and CMC and even Dalvin Cook project to be higher 2021 prospects, especially since we really have to hope once again that he can get involved in the receiving game in 2021 in a way that he was not in 2020, based on his college profile, I guess. And so, yeah, he he's running back three or four for me, but that's more because I'm very 2021 focused, um, even in my dynasty rankings. I can understand why you would have the dynasty running back one value, but value is meaningless to me if I'm interested in starting that player right now um so yeah there's that justin jefferson is number two jandre swift is number three which still kind of boggles my mind um jumping into the first round of startup dress i I get it but i don't get it like we didn't see what we wanted you know but anyway um i definitely don't get why swift is higher than acres although swift did get much more of that role and was very decent down the stretch Athletes came acres, but still, um, yeah, and J.K. Dobbins uh, cut both by uh, the Baltimore offense, like everyone is apparently, um, and uh, uh, and Lamar Jackson projecting to you know get all the rushing attempts. Um, all right, so that's some very monotone. I apologize, I'm not feeling the energy, and um, but monotone thoughts on sophomore ADP for last year's class, and this is a really interesting time to be interested in buying sophomores. Because, again, people are about as excited as sophomores as I sound about right now, which is terrible in both instances. And so I, I thought that might be of interest. I know I made this whole sheet and it was fun to look at. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to be talking to a few people just to drop drop some names, some name drops, but also maybe get you excited. So I, it's not always just me talking this Monitor, geez, Pete, get some energy. Get some energy, Pete. Dang it. 
Um, Zach Reed asked, he finished classes apparently, uh, he was doing new classes apparently, um, and he wants to come on, so I'm scheduled to talk to him. Also, Katie Fowler, based on FF Spaceman, dropped me a DM and said he'd really be interested to hear us talk prospects, and I haven't talked to Katie in a minute, um, and so I'll be really interested in that. I have asked Nick Whalen in a few weeks to interview because I really think we would disagree on almost everything, and I felt like that that would be a great person to challenge what I think of the 2021 season coming up, someone who often has a drastically different process and often different thoughts based on, you know, just us talking on Twitter a lot. I think he's a pretty cool dude as well, so that'll be fun. As well as, I've dropped into a lot of DMs lately. Not not a lot of people wrote me back, and a few I just did just to do. Like, I asked Warren Sharp, and he's never going to write me back. I think we know that, but I think I could have, like, a million questions to ask someone like that. But um, anyway, so over the next few weeks, uh, we'll have other people on the Dynasty Crossroads, and I want to... I want to fact check myself. I want to sanity check myself in an argument or in a conversation, shall we say, with people that maybe think a little differently than me and I don't talk to all the time. And then the Zach, who I just don't miss an opportunity to talk to. So, yeah, he'll be on too. Um, So, yeah, check it out. Um, Check out that stream model, I guess. It's pretty interesting. There's a link there so you can, especially after we get through um, the stream tomorrow, get through. I'm making everything sound like a chore. Like, this sucks. I apologize. Um, and I gotta stop apologizing. That makes it worse. Anyway, I created a tab to essentially make working projections a little easier, a little more intuitive, where you can just decide things and it pops out a projection and it's pretty much done. Um, and there's a link in every video on that stream. So if you just want to play around with projections or see what I'm playing around with, um, that could be useful, I guess. I was on a podcast with Jax Falcone. I forget the name of his podcast, but I was on it, and and he was talking about this online app that he's got that uh, made it really easy, and I was like, well, I could structure it that way, and so I did, and so hopefully that'll help everyone out tomorrow as well. Um, anyway, uh, I guess I'll leave on the same kind of uh, note that I have maintained and persisted through on this entire podcast, because I suck. I gotta go, I gotta, I, I gotta go, I gotta go. Get someone to upset me so I can get animated, animated again. Um, But anyway, I really appreciate it. If you still listen to the Dynasty Crossroads uh, this long after Jake has gone, I really do appreciate it. Um, And thank you. To talk to you again next week with someone else who's for sure going to be exciting and interesting, even if I maintain this. Uh, Anyway, thanks again. Um, Talk to you again next week. Bye. That no. No, I didn't just make that noise. Yeah! Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the play, so. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye, eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. 
don't go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and they on the place, though Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical